that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. And God's people said, thanks be to God. So today we have a special guest speaker. He's one of the missionaries that's been sent out from uh, Calvary Chapel and has been serving with a ministry called Word of Life in Argentina. And there's a lot more I could say about him, but I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a moment. Today we're just excited to have him here with us uh, to share a message from the Word of God. So let me invite Nick now to share today's message with us. Thank you. Well, good evening to you. I had to think about that this morning because usually when, when I preach, it's morning, but now it's evening. So I saw a few from the morning service. So I'm very sorry to you that you have to hear the same message again. Um, but I couldn't come up with a new one on the, on the spot. So you'll have to sit through this one more time. Um, many of you will not know me. Probably nobody here knows me, really. Uh, my name is Nick. Um, I was once at Church of Five. Um, usually I was always at when I first came to Cal at the second uh, service, and then after we had kids, it was usually the first one. As with children, you don't tend to sleep very long anymore in the morning, so you can make it to the first one. Um, together with my family, with my wife, Emily, and my now four kids, as Brandon already said, we live in Argentina now. We've been serving there for one and a half years. Uh, we serve an organization called Word of Life, and precisely, we serve in a program called the Bilingual Bible Program. So if you want to know more about that, there's flyers downstairs. You can go and grab one. Uh, in a nutshell, it is a program where you can study God's Word in a gap year program, and by doing that, also uh, learn Spanish. And of course, get a taste of being in a different culture, a taste of what mission works looks like, um, see what a missions organization looks like and how they uh, operate, and it's a great experience that you can have. So my invitation for you. And if you want to know a bit more about us, there's also cards of us, if you come up the stairs where you see that big map, you can take one from there if you like and pray for us, and you can also see the rest of my family there. So it's great to be with you. In the morning service today, I said it's good to be back within family, be back in my congregation, but you're not really my congregation because I haven't been here very often, but still we are family because we're one body of Christ. We as Calvary, whether it's in the morning or in the evening or whenever we gather, we gather together as one family. And it's wonderful to be back. I don't know what Calvary is for you, but Calvary for me was a very special and formative time. I've been at this church now for 10 years. And the 10 years were sort of also a long period of my life where different things happened. I remember coming here as a student. Maybe that's you right now. You've come here to Freiburg. You're studying right now. You don't know how long you're going to be here. And maybe this is your base that you found. Maybe this is your first spiritual home outside of your actual home. First time making a church your church. And that's what it was like for me and my wife when we came here first. It then became really our home home after we had our kids here and continued growing here in the church and getting more involved here. And it became a place where, especially for my wife, uh, when we had our first kids, she found her first friends here that were in the same, um, well, sort of 
setting at the moment, having their kids and had other mums that she could share life with. And that's what church is about. And maybe for you right now, it's sharing being a student. Maybe you're at a different point in your life as well and you share other things. But that's what church is about, that we share life together. And Calvary was that for us. And it was also the first place where we took our first steps in ministry, uh, getting involved in different areas. Thank you now, just now, for the band. That was amazing. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, wonderful to see how, yeah, you, you uh, investing your gifts into um, serving us with music. I'm glad I'm not up on stage singing. That would be awful. Um, but it's wonderful to see that. For us, that was getting involved in different ministries. We were in uh, kids' ministry first. We then got involved in translation, or I was involved in translation, and also um, leading the service. And it gave us an opportunity to experience what our gifts are to grow and find out what God had given us and how he maybe wants to use us in the future. And it was great for us to be able to have that and a supporting church that allows that. And that's my invitation to you as well. Um, because for many years, I came to Calvary and was not involved. I was somewhat passive, sitting in the rows, consuming every week, but I hadn't really made myself part of the church. I came, I listened, I consumed and left again. But I never really took that step to actually get involved in something. I always thought there was somebody that was better equipped or could do that, but not me. I was fearful to maybe invest my gifts because I didn't even know what gifts I had. And it took a long time. I was sitting up there once and they had repeatedly asked for translators and there I was. I'd grown up bilingual. I speak English. I speak German. <sighs> Why not me? But there I was, and I had 10,000 reasons why it wasn't me. I was fearful, I'd get it all wrong, and somebody else would do it better. And... But that's what it takes sometimes to get ourselves actively involved, is to take that step of faith. And we want to talk a bit about that. And before it was wonderful as you started, I love the, the family vibe there was before when we prepared for this service and celebrating also uh, Brandon's birthday. I know he doesn't like it, but I'll remind it again that it was your birthday. Um, and we mentioned also starting into this new year, and maybe you've made resolutions. I know we all do, usually in some way, and maybe yours is to lose weight or to do more exercise or to finally be consistent in reading your Bible or whatever that may be. And this sermon today is, is going to be a bit about that as well because I want to encourage you to look back on your year and sort of analyze where am I standing right now? Maybe you are like I was for many years. You're kind of in your Christian walk, but you're kind of not. You're kind of involved in church, and you're kind of plugged in, but you're still not fully in. And I, for many years, was kind of with one foot in, one foot out. And if people outside of church saw me, I'm not sure they would have known that I was a Christian, that I was a follower of Christ. I worked for many years here in, in Freiburg at a company alongside of friends and colleagues. But looking back, I had little impact on them. And being probably the only Christian in my company at that time, that was a wasted opportunity. Because God had placed me there to be light and salt to them, and I was not. And so my encouragement, this is not supposed to be a judgmental preaching. I'm very sorry, that's not what it is. It's supposed to be an encouraging one. But we have to ask those questions. That's why we come together. So under God's word, we can analyze ourselves, see where we stand before God. Let God speak to our hearts and reveal where our hearts stand. 
and where our relationship stands as well. Maybe you're thinking, well, a missionary, probably born to be that. Well, that's not me. I was one of those people that whenever I heard there was people going into missions, I thought, great for you. That's not me. I'll stay with praying and giving. I'm not going. And maybe that's you as well. Maybe you think as well there's always somebody that is better for that or could do it better than you can. And that was definitely me as well. I never wanted to go into missions. I never thought I would ever end up in missions. If you'd asked me a few years ago, I would still be in my little house that I'd bought in Bad Krotzingen, still working in Freiburg, and I definitely would not be in Argentina because that was never something I planned or looked for. But there was a moment in my life, and I want to share that with you as we, sorry for the long introduction, but then get to our passage but it's vital to me that you understand that God at times will speak into your life and then wants to give your life a different direction. And that's what we want to look at today. For me, it was a phone call. Some of you maybe don't know him. Um, Cornelius Ambrose, our former youth deacon at the church here, suddenly called me. And when I received that call, and this is not from God's word, but a lesson and advice from me, if someone asks you to fill in to drive to a missions conference, think twice what you say. Because my yes got me, well, where I am today, and that's not where I wanted to end up. But I ended up filling in because this car broke down and drove the youth from the church to, to Stuttgart, to this uh, youth mission conference. And there I was at the end of this conference, and the guy finishing the conference, he challenged everyone there he, listening with one question at the end. And he said, if God were to call you today, and I believe sincerely that all of us kind of have a longing to be used by God, kind of want to experience God. If he were to call you today and were to say, leave what you're doing, or go somewhere for me, or do something for you, whatever it may cost, what would your answer be? What would your answer be? My answer back then, and I'm ashamed to say, but my answer was no. Because to be completely honest, I didn't want to leave the life I was living. I actually quite liked my life. I liked the career I had, I liked the status I had established, I liked the security I could give my family. I did not want to walk away from those things. And the whole drive back from that conference, I had that same thought going round and round in my head. What a hypocrite I am. We sing things, we pray things, we sometimes even say things. But do we really mean them? Do we really want to know the Christ of the Bible? Do we really want to be followers of him? No matter where that may lead? We got home. My wife was in another car. We got into the house and the Holy Spirit was obviously working in her as well because we got in, looked at each other and she said, we need to talk. I said, yeah, you're right. And so we sat down, we talked and realized that the life we were living was not a bad life. But we had never asked God what he wanted to do with our life. And we decided in that moment that that was something we wanted to know and not look back one day on our life and regret having lived a life that was not the life that God had for us. How does God communicate to us? He does it through his word. And we realized that working full time in the jobs where we were, we did, would not have time to dig that deep into God's word and have that much time under his word to be able to really know if there was a change that he wanted to make. And so we decided back then to go to a Bible institute. We ended up going to Argentina for the first time in 2019 as students of the bilingual Bible program. And that's how God led us to the ministry that we now 
uh, serve in and lead now as directors. I never thought that would happen either, but that happened. And fast forwarding now, in that time, God through many different ways. He didn't open the skies. He didn't suddenly say Argentina is the place. No, through people, through his word, through sermons, through people that approached us or invited us. More and more, he made clear that he wanted to use us in full-time ministry. And that led to a point. It was Christmas in 2019. I was in Paraguay at that time. We were visiting a church there. And my Spanish, to be completely honest, I was not a very good Spanish student. Maybe you are quicker with learning languages than I am. You've been here in Germany for a while. I don't know how your German is, but my Spanish was bad at that time. But I had one big prayer request before the message started because when you're kind of seeking an answer from God, you can get kind of desperate because you need to know from God what's happening. And I realized God was doing something and I needed to know what he was doing. And so before the message started, I felt I had to pray and I said, God, I'm probably not going to understand very much today, but if there is something that I need to take from this, if there is something you want to tell me, let me understand it. Make it clear to me. And so the service went, and at the end of the service, usually in South America, it's normal that they do an altar call. So they preach the gospel one more time at the, bit, at the end of every sermon and invite everyone that's new, that's heard it for the first time, who thinks he has understood the gospel message, to come forward or to raise their hand and the pastor will come to them and explain it one more time to be sure they've really understood it and pray with that person. But that Sunday was different. That Sunday the pastor got up and said, we're going to do something today that we've never done. He said, we're going to do a call to give your life fully to ministry. And if someone's sitting here that feels God calling them to do that, may that person raise their hand. Now, I don't know if you've had a situation like this where you can feel the eyes of somebody on you and it's kind of even painfully uncomfortable that they're staring at you. Well, that was my wife sitting next to me, eyeballing me, waiting to see would the hand go up or would it stay down? Well, the hand stayed down. And she came over to me after the message and she's a very good wife, wonderful wife. Didn't want to embarrass me, so she came and whispered in my ear and said, did you not want to raise your hand? I said, I didn't understand what he was talking about. Well, that was a lie. And I left the, the, the service very disappointed, upset, frustrated, lied to her. Of course, I'd understood it, but why did my hand not go up? What was I so afraid of? Why did I not want, when God was calling us into a more intimate relationship, a more dependent relationship, for him to work through us, to use us, why would I not want to embrace that? Why would we not want to embrace that? And that's the question I want, we finally got to the end of the introduction, I'm sorry for that, but that's the question I want to ask us today is, do I really want to know Christ in that way? A that intimate way, a that dependent way, where I really am used by him, or am I happy staying at distance, staying superficial? We read the verses before, I'm not going to read them again. Paul, at the beginning of that chapter, is talking to the church in Philippi, and he addresses them and saying, and I love that, how he says, I don't mind that I repeatedly tell you the same things over and over again. Why is that? Because he cared for them. And when we care for peop people, we don't mind 
reminding them again and again about the things that they need to know or maybe are not doing or still haven't understood. We see that with Jesus and his disciples again as well. They didn't get it but the first time either normally and they needed it repeated times. We see that there's a relationship there between Paul and the church that he planted himself, as we know from Acts 16. They knew him and knew his ministry and were connected with him still. And they were, and he was connected with them. He knew what they were encountering. We can see that from his letters because he knows what they're going to encounter, what they've been through. He addresses different things that they're going to have to overcome or where there's dangers for them or where he wants to encourage them, where he thinks they need it. So it's not like we say in Germany there's a, a saying, we say, aus den Augen, aus dem Sinn. Out of sight, out of mind, maybe would be a very free translation of it, but that wasn't the case. I mean, he hadn't seen that church for 20 years. He hadn't been there. He planted and moved on. And for us, it's the same thing, even though we maybe do not have that closer connection because we weren't very often in a service together. We are still connected. And for us as a family, that's something that we want to give back to the church and say thank you for because we know that you're praying for us. We know when there are prayer meetings, there are emails that get sent before asking about prayer requests, and that is good for us. It's a blessing for us to know that there is a church standing behind us that actually is interested in what we do who want to know and be part of what is happening somewhere else in the world where they cannot go, but have sent us to do that. Thank you for that. And it's also nice when we come back and there's a warm embrace or someone that's happy to see you, who smiles at you and says, I didn't know you were back. Great to have you here. That's encouraging for us. And a wonderful way of knowing that this is still home and always will be for us. If I had to paraphrase these first verses, or the verses that we read before, 7 to 14, I could say that Paul is trying to say as he is speaking to a church of believers, because that obviously as they are in the church, they, have already, um, know, they already know Christ, he, that is not what he's trying to get at. He's, when he says he's not content in that sense of leaving his faith where it is, he means that he's not content to leave faith at just being a getting out of jail card mere salvation, but that there is something more that he presses towards, something more that he wants the church in Philippi to have. And we probably, all of us in here, if you're not new and here the first time, and if you are and this is new to you, then my invitation would be that you come to Brandon after the church or, or come to somebody and, and, and speak with them if this message is new to you. But I think we all share one thing in common, that Christ is our saviour that we have salvation in Christ. But the question is that I want to ask today is, is he just your savior or is he also your Lord? Now the two things are two very different things. Christ can be your savior. He was my savior for many years. I was very happy that I could say, one day I won't be in hell. I have Christ as my savior, but stay out of the rest of my business, please. Thank you, Christ, for dying for that, but the rest of it is my life. What does it look like in your life? Is Christ Lord over every area of your life? Or is he still only your savior? Paul leaves us with three ways or three things that we can do to draw closer that Christ really can become Lord and we can know him that way and answer the question that we spoke about before. The first thing is leaning on his power. We see in verse 10, that Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. The power mentioned here 
dynamis, the word that is used there, is the power that was set free when Christ died on that cross. That's the power that was set free to liberate you and me. To overcome sin, to overcome death. That is the power that one day when we are all raised up again will be what will draw us out of death. We see in Romans 6 and Ephesians 1. The power that Paul is speaking of that he wants to know is Christ's power. Let us remember that Paul was, if we want to say, he was the Alpha Pharisee. I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. He was the Pharisee under the Pharisees. He himself puts it quite that way in the verses 4, 5, and 6, where he describes himself as if anybody's allowed to boast about things in the flesh, so things out of their own power, then it's him. Because he had achieved everything. I mean, he was the biggest persecutor of the church at that time. He had studied under the best. And so we read here in the verses 4, 5, and 6, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Don't know how many of us can say that about us, but, but Paul understood one thing. When Paul encountered Jesus on the way to Damascus, he understood something, that none of his formation that he had had, none of his efforts, no amount of dedication could bring him true salvation and bring him closer to the desire that he had to know God and later Christ as a personal, intimate Lord. Verses 7 to 9, they lead us then to our first point that we were speaking about, and especially eight, the verse 8 I want to highlight, where he says, Indeed, I count everything, all those things that he mentions before, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul understood that there was no room for human pride, no room for one's own accomplishment when it came to truly knowing Christ. You may remember my situation, hand down, not up, sitting there in that church, holding back, not pressing forward to embrace what God had for me. The things that were holding me back was to a certain degree, pride, but things that I believed I had already achieved for myself and I was not prepared to let go. I could not count them as rubbish. The years that had gone into a career, the years that had gone into making yourself a, well, a life for yourself, preparing uh, or saving up to be able to have a house. We just had a child. We worked towards certain things and achieved certain goals and I had achieved something that I was not prepared to let go of. In that moment, those things, now they may seem stupid to me, but in that moment, they were worth more than knowing Christ more. And maybe there are things in your life as well that will be different than my life, but maybe there are things in your life as well that compete with Christ. And that are competing with Christ in that way that they are keeping you from 
having a more intimate relationship with him. The bad thing about this was that my trust was more in those things that I had achieved and stood on my achievements than my trust being in the Lord. The second point was I was afraid. And I have no shame in saying that. When I felt God calling, I did not think I had it. I remember saying to God, you got the wrong guy. I'm no missionary. Who am I going to help? Who am I going to serve? What have I got to give? From all people I could think of that I would see going to another place to serve, to do anything, I was the least of them. But that's exactly what Paul is getting at. You see, it's not about my strength or what I can do. It's about what he can do through me. Now, don't get me wrong. We all have natural gifts that God has given us. And we should stay within those. If I suddenly were to become a worship leader, I'm pretty sure you relatively quickly would say, could you do something else? Because that's not my gifting. But you, every single one of you, have received something from God. The question is, are you using it for God? And if you're not using it yet and you don't know what it is, it's time to start trying things and find out what it is. Because that's what you've been called to do. To be a part of the church and to involve you in yourself and to give yourself to his service. The lesson that the Philippians, I and perhaps you need to learn is that leaning on his power is the way to know him. And that the way and is the way and the way to do that is to let go, to lose, and also to forget, as we saw in verse 13, the things that lie behind us. Achievements. Things that we think are holding us back. Limitations we believe we have that are maybe not even there. And to let God work through his power in us. The second point is to learn from his pain. I think if I were to ask you, we see that in verse 10, the second half, where it says, may we share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. If I were to ask you today, who wants to volunteer to suffer and to have pain, I wouldn't see many hands going up probably. And if I did, I would be very worried. Nobody wants to suffer. Of course we don't. But nowadays we go a bit further than that. Especially here in Germany, I think, or in our Western society, we, we go a, quite a, to a quite a extent to avoid suffering in our life. Luckily, we have a beautiful building. We have comfortable chairs to sit in when we come together to have fellowship, to, to have our, our church service. We have heating on when it's cold, and I'm happy for that as well, because otherwise we'd be freezing in here. We have cars to get here, or maybe it's a bicycle for you as you're in Freiburg. We have medical care. We have all these things that we can do to avoid suffering. And in Germany, we are the champions in having insurances. If we could insure even the last thing, we would just to make sure that nothing can happen that could maybe harm us or somehow lead to suffering. Now, don't get me wrong, all these things are good. And they all have their good place and they're good that we have them. But when our trust lies in that, it keeps us from experiencing God. The disciples of the, and the early church, they knew what it meant to suffer for Christ. They knew what it meant to follow him and that that would mean persecution. 
And in their case, verse 10 is very, very true, becoming like him in his death because many of them paid the price of following him with their life. Now, in Germany, we're very far away of that, from that. I mean, none of us really, when we come here this evening, have to be afraid that when we leave this church today, we're going to pay our visit with our life. And I'm happy for that. But that's not everywhere the case. There are people around the world that when they gather, they have to do it in secrecy. They cannot come together like we can. And yet we still do not witness. As I mentioned before, and I don't mean to judge you, but maybe you're like me. I was a coward. At my workplace, barely anybody knew that I was a Christian. In my own family, when there were opportunities to share, I wouldn't. I didn't want to upset anybody. I didn't want to answer strange questions. Didn't want to be laughed at or to look, people to look strangely at me. What price is that? That's nothing. That's no suffering. But still we don't do it. Matthew 16, 24 to 25, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What is your cross? What is the cross that you have to take up? That you may really know Christ more. I think the best application we have of this, of what Paul is trying to tell us, we find in Galatians 2, the verses 19 to 20, where Paul says, for through the law I died to the law so that I may live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your life is not your own. My life is not my own. It was bought on that cross. And the best thing that we can do and the most wonderful thing we can do is to dedicate that life to Christ and to let him work through it because he paid for that life. And as mentioned in Matthew, the way to find life is ultimately to find Christ as well and to know him intimately is to die to oneself. And that meant for me, I had to die to the wishes I had die to the goals that I had for my life, die to the desires that I had at some point set that my life would look this way and to fully surrender that to God and say, your will be done, not mine. And if you have a different plan for my life and I will never see any of those things, then that is fine because what you have is better. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God's plan is better than ours? Yes, Paul puts it in Galatians that we should crucify ourselves and thereby giving full control over one's life, plans and desires to Christ. My third point, and I want to finish with that, is that when we do that, we can rest in the plan that he has. God has a wonderful plan for you and for me and we don't have to be anxious or nervous or restless what that plan exactly looks like. A few months down the road after I had my hand had not gone up and it had been a no, convicted by the Holy Spirit, we gave our yes to follow God wherever that may go. Did I know what that meant? 
I had no idea. Did I know if we were going to go back to Germany or to a different country? I had no idea whatsoever, but that's not what it's about. God will not come and put his finger on the map for you and say, this is where you're going. These are the 10 steps you have to do and that's what's going to happen and best you take this with you because that's what you're going to need. That's not how it works. God gives you light for the next step and that's it. But he does a work in your heart which prepares you that you are willing, no matter what that looks like, to say yes to it. And it sets something in motion where you start moving and give control that God can start leading. When a boat sets sail, it has to leave first and be out on the water so that the wind can set and get into that sail. And that's what happens when you start moving. You give God the opportunity to start directing your life. You don't need to know what the next 10 steps are. God probably won't tell you. But if you start getting active and moving and seeking, God will give you opportunities. And I've learned one thing. Don't know if it's biblical or not, but it's my own experience. When God wants you somewhere, he makes it quite clear. And you know when you're defying God. You know when you're walking away from something that God has called you to. I can speak from my own experience. Augustine once said, or wrote of God, you have created us for you, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. The deepest desire that we have is that we would go into that rest, that our heart would truly find that rest in God. And we'll only do that when we're in his plan. When we're really living as it was originally planned, if we think back to the Garden of Eden where God walked with man, that's what we want for our life here, to walk with God and to have rest because we know we are in his plan. To finish, I want to read from a song which you probably will not know. It's a very old song. It's from the former eastern part of Germany. It was a German song. I'll translate it into English. But when my father-in-law, and this is quite embarrassing for me because in Paraguay, my father-in-law was with me. He's 70 years old. And when that call came to dedicate one's life, guess whose hand went up? My father-in-law. There's this 70-year-old man whose hand goes up and says, I only have a few more years, but those years I want to give to God. And whatever I can still do, I'm going to do. And a few months after that, he shared that song with me and had told me that once he had been at a church here in Freiburg at the FEG, as many, many years ago, and sung that song and God had touched his heart in that moment and somewhat like it did for me in Paraguay, probably, given him a glimpse that you're probably not going to get what you had planned in life if you truly follow me. The title of the song is Who Follows God Risks His Dreams. And the first verse of that song is Those who follow God risk their dreams and risk their own plans. Even as a loser, you will not lose out. God will bring you to his good goal. Trust in the Lord forever, for he is the eternal rock. From a human perspective, I can agree with that song. I lost many things. I lost a good job, good career. My family back then could not understand what I was doing. I said, you finally achieved something. Why are you throwing everything away? We left the security that we had here, sold everything that we had, to leave to a country which is going through a very big crisis at the moment. Who knows how that's going to end? From a human perspective, made no sense whatsoever. 
But following God doesn't make sense at times. We serve a very irrational God who does irrational things through you and me. And so there I was, someone who never wanted to be in missions, never wanted to go to South America, has a hard time learning Spanish, serving as a director of a program where he's supposed to learn Spanish in South America. I guess that's our God. But I'm happy that I get to do that. And I want to give him the glory as well for what he's done in our lives and that he has put us there. Truly knowing and serving God is not a burden or a sacrifice. But it's something that fills us with true, deep, and lasting joy. I want to finish with just summarizing those three points for you. Lean on his power, learn from his pain, and rest in his plan. Let's read the last three verses and we'll close in prayer. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this time now in your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share here. I pray that you would help us be honest with ourselves. Your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and convict us where there are things that are still holding us back or that have taken too much place where we are maybe putting too much trust in things that we ultimately, ultimately should be trusting you for. And I pray that when we leave this evening, we would leave with a heart that is willing to listen, to be corrected, and also seeking to hear from you. And if someone here today feels convicted by what he heard today, I pray that your hand would not stay down. And that symbolically your hand would go up and you would be willing to go where God wants you and that he would prepare your heart for whatever he has for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Everybody, let's stand as we worship with one last song. <laughs>